0: Hey Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches of Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven channel. My name is Trevor Mueller and with me is Ryan Costeca. He is the head writer. He is the all-Ute everything for Sports Illustrated. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to jump right into it. We're here to talk about the Utes and you know, really when you think about the Utes, that was their season last year. Um, I mean, some of those players that uh, that have moved on, or, and I'm spacing on the quarterback's name right now, but uh, he was one of my favorites in the South for, you know, his four, entire four years there.
1: Yeah, Tyler Huntley, I mean, he was great. He was, uh, you know, he, it was interesting because he, he didn't know if he was ever going to put it together, and last year he seemed to put it all together, just the ability to run and uh, just actually have more of a presence in the pocket, you know, not lock on that first receiver and really go to a second and third options, and it worked out for Utah until, you know, the Pac-12 championship game and the Alamo Bowl.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that, that was a too bad of an end of a, of, of a career and a season for that, for that group uh, because, man, at some points they were so dominant. But, you know, let's take a look at this year. Uh, what is the state of the program? What does the Utah have coming back?
1: Um, you know, it's really interesting because with Utah, they're young. Let's just get that right out front. They've lost nine defensive starters, all of whom are in the NFL right now, whether drafted or, you know, have signed, you know, undrafted contracts. And then on top of that, you lost Tyler Huntley, the quarterback, and Zach Moss, the best running back in program history. So the word rebuild has been thrown around by local media, but it's not being thrown around in the Utah locker room, if that makes sense. It's more uh, instead of a rebuild, it's a replenish. You know, we're just going to kind of replenish our ranks and keep going. The program right now, it's positive. I think they're still trying to searching for some of their guys and who's going to be their dudes, quote, unquote. But, you know, we'll see.
0: So, yeah, and, you know, with the success and the lasting success Utah has had transitioning into the Pac-12, all under Kyle um tenure, the, the fan base has got to be 100% behind him.
1: Oh, gosh, the fan base is unreal. The fan base is absolutely obsessed with the Utes here in Salt Lake City. Um, I, I've covered Oregon, uh, like we talked about previously, and the fan base in Utah is just – they are way more obsessed with the Utes. They are fully behind Whittingham. They absolutely love him as a coach. They love everything that he does. Yes, last year ended badly for Utah, but the fan base is actually pretty rational. They still understand that they are just now entering their 10th year in the Pac-12. So they're just now finding their footing. They're really actually getting the replenishing their ranks like they like to talk about as far as recruiting goes. They now have that footprint. Last year was the best recruiting program history when they finished you know, 29th class in the country. So that's a big sign for Utah. Um, the fan base, they understand that. But they've reached a point where they're kind – they support Whittingham. Let me get that straight. But they're ready to take that step forward. You know, three Pac-12 South championships, back-to-back losses in the Pac-12 championship game, obviously to, you know, Washington two years ago. So Utah's ready to take a step forward. The fan base is now ready for it and they want it. So I think they're getting a little uneasy, you know, as far as uh, getting over that hump and getting to a New Year's Six Bowl. But still, the fan base loves Whittingham. They love his entire staff. I think enough can be said with uh, Morgan Scally, the defensive coordinator, with everything that came out earlier in the summer about, you know, the, uh, hit, basically using an insensitive racial word in a text to a recruit. Um, that came out. The Utah fan base actually stood by him, understood, you know, that he, the man made a mistake. They're willing to forgive him for it. And I think that speaks volumes about the relationship that Scally has with, his, you know, with the fan base. And the fact that both Whittingham and the athletic director, Mark Harlan, stood behind Scally, that allowed the fan base to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting because Utah is one of those schools that maybe not uh, has been able to keep up with some of the other teams in the Pac-12 when it comes to recruiting, but their talent development has just been out of this world. It's one of the best in the conference. And uh, I wonder if that step is coming where as they start to stack top 30 uh, recruiting classes that you could see the youth finally break through into a New Year Six
1: Bowl. Exactly. I, w- I would expect it's coming sooner rather than later. I mean, like I said, last year they got the great class headline. They have, you know, four four-shot prospects, all of them on defense, a DB, a safety, and two freshman defensive ends. So, naturally, with Utah, they, re- they you know, they started to rebuild on the defensive side of the ball. But I think that recruiting class, I think it's going to continue to build. I mean, they have a four-star running back and a four-star quarterback in this year's class alone. You know, so I think, I think once Utah can kind of – already they have a player development like we talked about. But now they're starting to get those classes. They're starting to get those four-star recruits to really come in and trust the program and trust the coaches to get them there. I think once that happens on a more consistent basis, I think that's when you'll start to see Utah really start reaching new heights.
0: Yeah, and you know, Utah has been actually a really fertile ground for Washington to come in and pick those best players out. And those are starting to turn into recruiting battles where Utah is winning some of those taking away from the Washington staff.
1: It's huge. I mean, right now, actually today, Utah just got a recruit from in-state prospect Isaac Baja, a three-star tight end, defensive end type of kid. But, you know, Oregon was in his final six. So the fact that Utah was able to keep him, he's ranked right now through 247. He's ranked as the number three prospect from the state. Um, I think Washington and Oregon are honestly Utah's biggest competitors when it comes to recruiting. Um, As this year alone, Oregon has three of the top seven prospects committed, you know, from the state of Utah. Washington has the number four prospect. So it doesn't leave a lot of room. I think Utah really take a step forward. They have to take a step in recruiting their state better. Last year, they did a great job of it. This year, not so much. And I mean, if you're another recruiter across the country, and I've talked to a few of them, it's hard for them to want to come play for the Utes when players from their own state of Utah don't want to play for the Utes. And I think that speaks volume. So I think the first part is you know taking a step forward as far as recruiting in-state talent. And then from there, I think it's going to continue to spread.
0: So kind of looking at 2020, with where they're at, with the either if it's a rebuild or reload, where do you think they are when it comes to um, competing for a championship of the South? You know, it's hard to say. Uh, honestly, I think there's,
1: I think USC obviously has the most talent in the South, and I don't think anyone will disagree with that. But every year you, you kind of hear it out of USC is, this is the year they're back. It's kind of like the Texas syndrome. This is the year they're back, this is the year they're back. And every year they falter. So until USC can prove it, you kind of have that doubt. I personally, I like Arizona State a lot. I think Kerm Edwards done a great job. I think Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the conference. I think he's set for a big, big year. But the key is that, you know, Utah does in back-to-back weeks of season, gets USC at home and then travels to Arizona State. That's going to make or break their season. It comes in weeks three and four, so they will have two weeks to kind of find themselves, establish an identity, find a rhythm both offensively and defensively. Overall, though, in my predictions, I have Utah finishing second the Pac-12 South. I think they're anywhere from first to third in the South, in my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if they win it again. I also wouldn't be surprised if they lose to SC and Arizona State.
0: That top three in the Pac-12 South, I think that could be – I think Utah maybe didn't necessarily get the best draw having both of their toughest games back-to-back.
1: I agree there. And, I mean, the Pac-12 is very interesting this year. I mean, the Pac-12 North can say the same thing. You Oregon, Washington, you know, Oregon's kind of like your perennial favorite. Washington under Jimmy Lake, though, so, I mean, obviously, apart from Scally one of the best defensive coaches in the country. Now he gets a chance to a head coach. You know he can recruit. The players love him. You never count Washington out. And then Cal, just like Arizona State, an upstart program. They get the quarterback Chase Garbers back this year. Um, I think it's, you know, I think the top three in each division is really, really tough for the Pac-12. Yeah, so
0: yeah. Looking, at, looking at Utah's – offensive scheme, what kind of, what do they want to run uh, down there?
1: This is interesting because, I mean, as you know, um, Utah is a power running team. They, you know, they basically have a bell cow running back, and they're going to line them up behind big offensive linemen, they're going to say, go, and that's what they're going to do. That's not happening this year. Um, While their offensive line is very successful, they were, you know, they're returning a lot of guys. Nick Ford could be one of the best players in the conference. Um, Running back, they just lost Zach Moss. So now it's kind of they're trying to figure out who's going to be the guy right now. They don't know who it's going to be exactly. But talking to Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator, and Kyle Whittingham, the head coach, what they're going to do is they're going to get the ball into their players' hands. And by means by that, they're going to throw the ball this year. Brant Keith is one of the top tight ends in the Pac-12, if not the entire country. They get Britton Kobe back, who, I mean, he's been here since, what, 2010 probably at this point. (laughs) Um, He actually was a freshman in 2015. Play took a two-year mission. Now he's back and he got hurt. So he's back and he's fully healthy right now. And I think the biggest difference this year is that they're going to attack more downfield with Covey and Keith. And the quarterback battle, that's the biggest. That's what all the local media, that's what we're watching for. Is it going to be Cam Rising, you know, the transfer from Texas? Is it going to be Jake Bentley, you know, the kid from South Carolina, the grad transfer who has 19 and 14 record in the SEC? So, you know, with that experience, it looks like Utah, they're going to throw the ball quite a bit more. That's going to be their thing. They're going to run it just enough to keep defenses honest. But I think what they're going to do this year is they're going to throw the ball, and I think they're going to mix it up a little bit. And Pac-12 defense better be ready for it because they have a bevy of receivers, a bevy of pass catchers overall, and their running backs are all home run hitters. So it's going to be a totally different Utah offense than what people are used to. If it's successful, that's the big question. Can you make that much of a change in one year? So we're going to find out.
0: Yeah, and, you know, just like most of the schools in the Pac-12 – there's going to be somebody new under center and you kind of went through the names. Uh, you know, what are the cases for some of these guys to end up being the, the QB one? Um, you know, well, basically it
1: comes down to, you want experience or do you want long-term potential? I mean, and long-term potential kind of gets thrown out now with everyone getting a free year this year. So I think let's see, you start with Jake Bentley. He's the grad chance from South Carolina. He started last year, Unfortunately, he got hurt. Was able to redshirt, and now he's here at Utah. He's nineteen and fourteen in the SEC. When Clemson won their national championship two years ago, he helped South Carolina drop thirty-five points to the Tigers—the most they gave up all year long. So the fact you take his winning record in the SEC, he's played in big games. He knows what it's like. You can't. You I mean you can't really get rid of experience. I mean, experience is everything. But the only thing is, though, he came in this year. And COVID has happened, so he's been learning the playbook, but but how has he developed that chemistry with the players? That's going to be the biggest question for him. So you got his experience, but then you kind of the negative is his chemistry and his knowledge of the offense. On the other end, you have Cam Rising, the upstart sophomore. You know, went to Texas out of high school, big-time four-star recruit, came to Utah, sat out last year. And if you listen to local media, they will all tell you that Cam Rising, combined with Britton Covey last year on the practice squad, dominated that Utah defense at times last year. So they have that chemistry. Rising is probably a little bit more physical of a runner, can get out a little more athletic, kind of like Tyler Huntley in that regard. He has the knowledge of, you know, of the playbook. He understands the offense fully well. The only issue, he hasn't started the game since 2017 in high school. So, you know, you look at that 2018, he was a Texas redshirted, shirt last year 2019, and now here you go. So he doesn't have the experience, but he has the knowledge and the chemistry. It's really anyone's game. If I'm a betting man, and, you know, according to my wife, I can be sometimes, <laughs> I think Jake Bentley is going to be the starter on day one. I, think, uh, I just think you can't get rid of the experience, especially with a new offense. You need someone to come in there who's going to command that huddle and understand what's going on and who isn't going to, you know, falter in late-game situations. Not to say that rising won't. But we don't know if he can or not. We know Bentley can, and he's proven that over and over again. I think Jake Bentley is going to emerge as the starting quarterback for the Utes when they open up against Arizona.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's just so important to have players with, especially in this season, um, proven commodities are, are very, very important in such a short season where every game matters even more.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, so now switching over to the defensive side of the ball, Utah has been, you know, had one of the best defenses in the Pac-12s the last couple years. Uh, they lose a ton, like you mentioned. What's going to be the philosophy of the Utes' defense this year? Ben, but don't break. I think that's kind of the philosophy. I think the offense is going to
1: put up points this year. I think they're not going to have an issue with that. I think, you know, Utah, they're, they're willing to give up yards but not points. Make teams settle for field goals rather than touchdowns. I think they're going to be strong in the red zone. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. They really return two starters, you know, linebacker Devin Lloyd, defensive end Micah Tafua. You don't get me wrong. Great players, all Pac-12 type of players. But other than that, they are extremely young. They're not necessarily – they have experience as much as they've played, but they don't have that big game experience. I mean, you're replacing guys like John Pennacini and Lecky Fo dominating the NFL. Bradley and Nye is your career sack leader. He's gone. The entire secondary is gone. I mean, Blackman uh, – Julian Blackman, the safety, Jalen Johnson, the DB – both of them right now, dominating in the NFL. So you have a lot to replace there. There are definitely a couple guys to keep an eye on as far as, you know, incoming freshmen who could make some noise. I think right now the only thing Utah really has settled in is that R.J. Hubert is going to start at safety. I think Devin Lloyd is going to start at linebacker, and Mike Tsefua is going to start at defensive end. Other than that, it's about mixing and matching and really finding an identity. Is this going to be the same Utah team that, you know, doesn't necessarily have to blitz to get pressure on? you know, if they're going to have to blitz, I think it's got to change things up. But I think Utah's philosophy with how low well their offense is expected
0: to do. It's a bend, but don't break type of thing. This question is very different from 2019 to 2020, it sounds like. So how are how is Utah going to win games?
1: Oh, man, I it, it's going to be totally different. Like you said, I mean, last year, Utah to win games was, hey, let's just score, you know, 13 points and we'll win a game. It's yeah. that simple. You know, the defense was that good. This year, I think it's going to be we need to get to that high 20s, low 30s to win a game. Um, I think that's going to come with experience. The best thing Utah is going to have to do, I think, is they're going to have to establish – which is going to kind of sound different than what I am saying. They're going to have to establish the run game early. And what I mean by that is basically teams are not going to be afraid of Utah being able to run the ball right now, so they're going to be able to sit back in zone coverage and just kind of wait. I think Utah's going to have to establish the run early in games and kind of force teams to come up in the box – that's going to allow Cubby to get one-on-one in space, allow Brant Keith over the middle for the tight end. Um, they're, the good thing is their offensive line, like I said, very experienced. You know, so there will be holes. The quarterback should be clean. Um, defensively, it's kind of bend but don't break type of thing. Utah's going to score points. The defense is going to give up points. They're going to give up big plays, but they're going to have to limit them in certain ways. Um, the best way Utah wins, you know, honestly, is they're going to have to, you know, run the ball. I think they're going to have to emerge, you know, as a threat offensively. They're going to be – teams are going to have to be scared of Utah being able to put up 40, 50 points if possible, which, you know, speaking of Utah, is kind of outrageous. It really is.
0: I don't know if that's so, ever happened. I mean, under no, Whittingham?
1: No, it's not. It's a completely different philosophy. I will – I do give Whittingham, Ludwig, and Scally a ton of credit. They understand the – they understand what kind of personnel they have. And instead of sticking to their guns, they're like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to tailor ourselves to the strength of our players. And it takes a lot for a coach staff that's been so entrenched and so stuck together. I think it's huge
0: for them to do so. Yeah, and do you think there's any validity to having an offensive coordinator come back like Ludwig who, you know, they've he was there, they went through a bunch of offensive coordinators, and he came back. Do you think that there's any continuity there that – helps them as they transition to a new identity?
1: I think it's massive because it's something where as far as terminology goes and you covered sports, terminology is huge in the game of football. And I think just having that same terminology is going to be massive for the offense, even if it's a different scheme, at least they have the same terminology moving forward. I think just the comfort of just understanding who is it they're going to have that trust in Ludwig to run that offense Having that same coordinator, I think it just provides so much more. And if you want to look at uh, Justin Herbert of Oregon and how often Oregon changed coordinators, it's why people were afraid that Horgan—I mean that Herbert—never really took that step forward. Finally, he did his senior year, and what was the only difference? Marcus Arroyo was his offensive coordinator for a second year in a row. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, I think that's what's going to be happen for Utah. I think having Ludwig you know, back. I think having him in that role and not really—he doesn't really no interest in being a head coach. You know, he loves where he's at right now. And having that comfort, I think that's huge for Utah moving forward. I put a lot of stock
0: into it. So what, it, what would you describe as a success, successful season for Utah this year? You know, I think finishing in the second of the Pac-12
1: South, uh, possibly meeting up with Washington or Cal in that Pac-12 crossover game, I think that will be a successful season for the Utes. I think it's going to be tough to really take a step forward and continue this winning tradition. I do think USC finally breaks through, in all honesty, in the South. But I think Utah's taking those steps forward. I think it's unsuccessful if Utah ends up in that third or fourth range. I think that's going to cause some issues. That's going to cause the fan base to maybe question things a little bit. I think that's when the heat might turn up on Winningham a little bit, considering they haven't really won. They haven't won the big game yet. But I think the biggest thing for Utah, if they can finish second in the Pac-12 South, I consider that a big, you know, season for them. That's five and one probably is my guess. You know, then you get that Pac-12 crossover game in a bowl game, you end up six and two or seven, one in a season like this. That's cool. You know, rebuilding. I think that's massive for Utah. And I think it sets a huge precedent going forward from here on out.
0: You know, it's, I've always considered Utah, the Washington of the South, Uh really good defense um, offenses that can do what they need to do to win. And, uh, maybe we're seeing a little bit of a change in identity. So, you know, we'll see how it goes this year. There could be very well a crossover game, uh, Washington, Utah. Ryan, we'd love to have you back. It'd be great. You know, if it happens, I'd love to be back. Thank you for having me.